Welcome, True Believer readers, to another episode of Let's Read Spider-Man, the best podcast to break down hard-hitting dialogue such as, You still can't lay a mitt on me, snuggums, and How can I respect a man who dresses worse than Elmer Fudd? Here to provide analysis for those lines, and so much more, is my friend Eddie. How are you today, Eddie? I'm a little under the weather, but it's fun to think about Looney Tunes from long ago. Did did you like the Looney Tunes, James B.? No, I feel like I probably watched a lot of it, but that was not the show I wanted to watch at all. <laughs> I'm not surprised. Not your style. <laughs> no. No. Like many people in my age, I was probably trying to catch all the superhero shows that were on at the time. I would have I would have been fine with Super Friends even, but you can't always get Spider-Man, you know? Yeah, I, I didn't watch hardly any. I watched X-Men. The cartoon was my big one. Always miss, seemed to miss it, though, and was very upset when I missed it. Yeah, the gap in our years, you get the good cartoons as far as the comic hero cartoons. I didn't have that. Yeah. I was, I had to suffer through some of the 1967 stuff when I was younger. And then <laughs> Spider-Man is Amazing Friends is the only one I had in my era. Before we talk about Spider-Man, let's talk about some of the characters that we know that maybe the listeners don't. Two here, which one do you want? Uh, we're going to see Marla. I'll take Marla. Marla is J. Jonah's not wife, but lady friend, I guess we could say. They they haven't gotten married, have they? No, but they're I mean, girlfriend at least, right? Yes. She's, yes. She's there kind of to comfort and most of the time agree with J. Jonah. Although not always in this book, actually, we'll see. She has a job though. Like she's more than just a girlfriend. True. She is a scientist. She does create robots. She is not related to Professor Smythe. <laughs> Um, and she was at the Brand Corporation where um, Willow the Wisp messed with her, but she ended up being okay. So J. Jonah has a vendetta against Brand Corporation because they messed with Marla. I believe Killer Shrike was also after Marla recently. Correct, yes. So, uh, the other one would be Ned Leeds, the longtime character who's a reporter. Once upon a time, he was trouble for Peter. He was the romantic interest conflict when Peter was into Betty Brandt, and then eventually... Peter kind of pushed Betty Brandt into him. They got married. Um, sometimes it was an on-again, off-again relationship, but it seems like they're okay now, right? Yeah, he was in Europe for a long time, too, and now he's just back being a reporter for the Daily Bugle. Yeah, I think he's the only reporter on the Bugle in Spider-Man books. There's one if you read, like, Daredevil, but he's the only one here. So, and speaking of Spider-Man, from August of 1982, Stanley presents The Amazing Spider-Man 231, Caught in the Act, by Roger Stern, John Romita Jr. and Jim Mooney. The Cobra has been released from prison, or did he escape? It was a little unclear here. And he's repaying his debt to society by immediately doing what he was put in prison for, stealing gems. Who left the Cobra out of prison? Well, he might have escaped. I mean, we don't really it's know true. that. This Cobra guy, Eddie, uh, typical villain colors. He's got the purple and green, the official color of yes. every villain for Spider-Man. Uh he sort of has like a green scales on his costume. The big deal with him is he has a mask. I'm not sure the best way to describe it. It's like a half mask, like his head is covered. You know, if you were wearing like a motorcycle helmet, you had like a visor, but you can see yes. his eyes. It's like his mouth and his jaw are exposed. That's the big deal of his little yeah, costume. Reminds right? me of uh, White oh, Man. What was? I can't remember. What's White Tiger? Ah, never mind. I'm going on, James B. You mean you're thinking of White Dragon? Yes, the White guy, Dragon. Thank the, you. The, the sponsor has all the uh, the products that you can like uh, keep sealed and protected because they have an, a tough outer layer, yeah. like the tough White Dragon, like right. the chicken That's, and uh, 
That's who I'm always thinking of our sponsor. Sandwiches and some other stuff like that. Not at all. Well, while the Cobra is living large in a Manhattan penthouse, Peter Parker is still slumming it in his Chelsea apartment where he makes an addition to his costume. This book takes 10 panels to talk and show that Peter is putting webbing under his armpit area, kind of as looks a little wingish. I don't know why they did this. What do you think, James B.? I was thinking either Roger Stern or more likely John Romita Jr. wanted a costume change and they wanted to let the reader know this is the official 1982 John Romita Jr. costume. But those those little webbings under his arms, that's that's OG. I mean, yeah, yeah that's those... way back in the day. And I, I got to think when I was like, he's going to wear a button up shirt. How is that going to work? Oh, like... <laughs> the, some of the panels explained in very explicit detail that it's not a problem with him wearing this now right. and he explained why he could wear this under his Bendy. clothes it's better less less you know less concerned this is a good thing according to him all right uh at the bugle dead leads informs jay jonah and marla that he has a contact that will help them find dirt on the brand corporation as Ned and Marla leave to meet Ned's contact ominous note about their meeting and calls the only person she thinks can help her Peter Parker. <laughs> she says to the reader, he's actually her third choice. Do you recall the first two? It's in the book. Uh, I, I didn't look this up. Um, I really wanted to think she was going to call like Flash, but I don't think Betty's part of Flash's world enough. Gosh, I can't remember James B. Help me out. She says, I would call a counselor to deal with my problems but they're not working today and then she says and i can't get a hold of my good friend you know gloria because she's not here today at work either so i guess i have to call peter parker (laughs) all right i don't feel bad losing to a counselor i guess i could have guessed gloria grant i'm glad she's going to gloria she is a good source of information she didn't go to ned that's what i noticed Yeah, yeah that's true Well, Ned and Marla's meeting goes south when Cobra suddenly attacks their informant, Nose Norton, and Spider-Man must intervene to save all. Although Ned receives some collateral damage from the brawl, Spider-Man subdues Cobra. On the way to the police station to drop off Cobra, the shadowy figure that has been stalking the Cobra all book emerges as Mr. Hyde. The uh, bullets that were intended for Ned... When it's a, you mentioned you get some collateral damage. Yeah, they, I think these are... Are these bullets? I think they're darts, actually. No way. Those are bullets. Mm. I'll settle for a bullet-shaped dart, but I'm not going to say it's a dart. It does look like a bullet. All right, fine. I mean, Oh, no. That... Fu- fu- suddenly fires his venom darts. Ha-ha! <laughs> That's what it says in the narration, James B. All right, good job. You win that one. <laughs> So they hit his gear, though, the bullets or these dart, these venom darts. They, they shoot Ned, but he's got like a little pack of like his little radio walkie-talkie thing or something yes. on him. So he, he survives the shot because it, you know, it's not like Spider-Man did anything to help him. Uh, Eddie, you talked about Brandt Corporation and it's owned by Roxxon Oil. This is like the big company in Marvel Comics. It's like big like Apple or Samsung or whatever, Toyota. Uh, two 
books from now in the same podcast, we're going to talk about the annual. They're going to mention Roxanne Oil as well. It's just oh. it's just the big entity. I, I don't think it's been revealed that they're like good or bad. They're just big. I mean, we can remember back Marla's encounter, the CEO of Brand. I mean, he gets some goons to go after Will of the Wisp and Spider-Man. He's the only real villain in that that encounter, I guess. It's There was a sensation of badness that was happening there. I'm more worried about Ned's very shady contacts. Nose Norton is such a suspicious criminal. Yeah, well, he is, he is a reporter. He does have to have informants that he can pay off. They can do things. And I mean, his name is Nose Norton. But <laughs> yeah, he meets him in shady places. When Ned and Marla go see the bad side of town, Ned says, could be worse. At least it's not Josie's Bar, which, Eddie, is the famous bar from Daredevil Comics. Just so oh. you know. Yeah. Interesting. Yep. Well, guess it's time to do another Spider-Man book. Ready. <laughs> From September of 1982, Stanley presents The Amazing Spider-Man 232, Hide in Plain Sight, by Roger Stern, John Romita Jr., and Jim Mooney. Mr. Hyde is trying to kill the Cobra, his former partner, for abandoning him. And because Spidey has Cobra slung over his shoulder... Spidey's trying to take him to the police station, by the way. Hyde doesn't mind if Spidey gets killed, too. While the battle rages, Ned and Bugle photographer Lance Batten watch atop a building close by until Hyde sends several thousand gallons of water from a nearby tower towards them. Spidey saves Lance as Hyde escapes with the cobra in his clutches. Returning to ESU, Peter is too impatient to heed Marcy's pleas to talk. He departs and unknowingly leaves a surprise party his grad student colleagues had planned for him. In the previous issue, Roger Hotchberg was Peter's lab partner. We didn't talk about that because it wasn't important in some after-hours project. But here he is again at the party. This guy's really moved into the gang after his encounter 10 issues ago when he was just like an unknown ESU student who ran into the Red Ghost in the library. Remember that? Yes, yes. He, uh, he wasn't even part of Dr. Sloan's group, I don't think, initially. No, he was getting, like, drinks splashed in his face for being a loser at a party. Yes. And now he's like... And he was going uh, to the library at night <laughs> to research or do whatever he was doing. Yeah, and then he got, his, he got an action figure made for him <laughs> about Great. a couple episodes ago by the good, good people of Tink Bunk Toys. Eddie, several thousand gallons of water... Yes. Are splashing towards them and they're safe. This is on a rooftop, correct? That is correct. I just want to make sure you understand the situation. There's a big silo on the roof with water in it. And the cobra like starts poking holes in it and starts leaking everywhere. And then Peter gets him out of there. That's what he does. Yeah. It it washes across to like the building next door. Okay. Ned is like holding onto a pipe and Lance gets swept swept out, swept away. Yes. Is a better word for it. And Hyde grabs Cobra, and then Spider-Man webs down and catches Lance before he hits the ground. Where does this water go? <laughs> Into the streets of New York. Just safely, like, <laughs> several thousand gallons of water just, like, falling down into people. And it's, like, fine. <laughs> Washed away. <laughs> okay. Sure. Well, as Hyde returns to Cobra's penthouse to torture him, Spidey springs a surprise attack. Uh, Hyde tears the building apart. But it ends with the classic 
biting attack of webbing his opponent's eyes, followed by webbing him and slingshot tossing him through a wall out of the skyscraper. Heidi's defeated, and Cobra tries to get away, but is too scared to face Spidey again, so turns himself into the police. This is the second time in recent memory a villain has been too afraid to face Spidey and turns themselves in. I don't know if this is a reasonable way for villains to behave. Spider-Man's not going to kill him. What's he going to do to him? I, I'm not sure. I guess they just don't have a good ending for cops chasing the guy down or if Spider-Man doesn't web him up. We didn't talk about Deborah Whitman in this book. She she is in there. He, Peter's being a jerk to Marcy instead of Deborah in this book. Ugh. But what's happening is in the other storyline, Peter Parker, the spectacular Spider-Man, uh, Deborah Whitman in the July issue starts to have some suspicions about Peter and she that he does, you know, and that he would just to say you know, that he could be Spider-Man. We, we haven't covered that book. We're going to cover that in our next podcast because we're kind of running the books at the same time, but there's a, there's definitely something going on there. And I get nervous about that because if people start to, people who start to figure out that he's Spider-Man doesn't work out good for them. They either get amnesia or they die or they die. Yeah. <laughs> they can't exist because it ruins everything. So yeah, or they, or I mean, I can think of a ghost, and then you know, again, the Doctor Strange's he gets a free pass, and Professor X. But uh, he's just nervous if Deborah figures this out. But we'll we'll cover that maybe a little well, bit more next I, issue. I can't wait for her to become a villain because <laughs> Peter treats her so badly, and she figures out he's Spider Man. I I hope she leverages it somehow. Sure. <laughs> so. The last Amazing Spider-Man book is an annual, and it's not a terrible annual. It's not going to get that whole James B. Seal of approval. (laughs) Seal of disapproval. I I wouldn't say, yeah, which annual gets your seal of approval, but it's just not getting the the, uh, large X across it as the disapproval stamp then. Well, I'll... I'll complain about the parts I complain about because it's canon. <laughs> <Thank goodness. laughs> From October of 1982, Stanley presents The Amazing Spider-Man King Size Annual 16, Who's That Lady? by Roger Stern, John Romita Jr., and John Romita Sr. As Peter Parker walks through the bus station to pick up Liz and Harry, his spider sense alerts him to a beautiful woman walking past him. I almost rewrote this sentence, James B., but I left it because I thought it was funny to think about the spider sense being like, ooh, a beautiful woman. (laughs) In fact, the spider sense is indicating there's an aura of danger or mystery around this woman. Although Peter does remark that my spider sense has never reacted to an out-and-out beauty before. Uh, Anyways, Spidey follows her, and when two run-of-the-mill hoods attempt a purse snatching, Spidey swings in. But he doesn't need to, and when he goes to confront and compliment the foxy lady, she fries Spidey and then teleports to the top of the Chrysler building, where we are introduced to... Captain Marvel. So, Eddie, there's a 16-page Captain Marvel story here. And, of course, my biggest complaint all the time is, do we really need the story here? And the answer is yes, because we use The Amazing Spider-Man as a way to launch other people's hero careers. But this is not a Spider-Man book. Now, what is she here? What's her job? <laughs> is she a cop? She is a lieutenant police officer. To, or she's going to her boss to ask for a promotion to captain, and he's passing her by, and she is very unhappy about this. She tricks these guys to get onto this boat, and while she's on the boat, she gets exposed to these powers, basically, right? Yes. 
if she sees you come and she just turns into energy and pew, she's gone. You know, she's immediately can be anywhere she wants to be. Uh, I assume she's just transferring into light. She definitely goes through like radio waves and can't control her powers very well too. When she sneaks onto this boat, she goes up there like in a bikini to kind of trick these guys. <laughs> so when she's flying around later, she doesn't have clothes. So she steals some clothes from like a Mardi Gras storage warehouse. And she's wearing this like wacky all white outfit with white boots and uh, like a black star and black leggings. And eventually someone will make her the same, exact same costume out of unstable molecules. And that will be the costume that she wears. And there's some people on the boat who, you know, she's on this boat and they, and they refer to her as like the captain of the boat. Cause she's like captaining this little rowboat or something. And, there's this guy who doesn't speak English that well who sees her and he keeps calling her the captain is Marvel. He says, Captain is Marvilla. The captain is Marvilla. So when he gets interviewed. It translates to like Captain Marvel. And she is a black woman with like a sizable afro. And this all takes place in New Orleans too. And she's coming to New York here is where she bumps into Spidey. Right. Which has, yeah, which has nothing, right. Because there's nothing to do with Spider-Man at all. So. Yeah, at all. There's no Spider-Man in this backstory. Uh, after the backstory though... Spidey figures out that Captain Marvel is headed to the Baxter building, but by the time he arrives, the thing has inadvertently helped Marvel teleport through an electrical signal to Avenger Tower. Marvel's teleportation cooks Iron Man's circuits. He's the only one in Marvel Tower, or Avenger Tower, excuse me, Marvel Tower, Avenger Tower. And she begins to panic because Marvel can't control her powers and her energy bursts are becoming stronger. Uh, Spider-Man finally catches up to her. Here are a webbed hero blunders by attacking Marvel. Thankfully, a revived Iron Man and Wasp convince Spidey that Captain Marvel actually needs their help. In dramatic fashion, Iron Man hooks himself up to Captain Marvel uh, and releases her excess power, and the quartet of heroes survive. The Thing arrives late to the party, anticipating Spidey has screwed things up, but has egg on his face when all the Avengers are hanging out with our favorite wall crawler celebrating. But he returns to the bus station where he picks up Liz and Harry. Oh yeah, picks up Liz and Harry. <laughs> Must be a Spider-Man comic. There you go! Yeah. Two, two characters, side characters that are discussed four times in three panels. Yeah. Let the record show that Spider-Man has time to go to this party, but not the party with Marcy Kane and Deborah Whitman and Roger, because, you know. He was my... such, such a jerk. Like, he couldn't stop to say anything, and Marcy was pleading with him at that moment, too. It was terrible. They threw a whole, they had a whole, like, setup in the lab surprise party for him. You uh, like this book better than me, right, Daniel? I did. I liked this book. Really well balanced. Uh, you know, it's funny, James B., I've said it before, backstory should be one panel, but I'm going to make a caveat to this. If a backstory is 16 pages and it's like this, uh, very detailed and kind of interesting, I'm I'm kind of okay with that. It's like a book within a book, you know? If, if this was called Captain Marvel 1, I'd be like, this is a very good book. i just never a big fan of when Marvel team-ups and all these annuals just use Spider-Man as something they can promote. Oh, it's a Spider-Man book, that's all. I mean, if we look back to the very first annual, Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man Annual 1, that that set the tone for this. We've come very far. If this is like the promotion, then I'm much happier than Marvel, you know, 
The Amazing Spider-Man Annual 1, which has every possible character crammed in for no good reason <laughs> uh, throughout the whole book. Eddie, there's something else I want to talk about, but can we do it after the sponsor? Sounds good. Midtown, we know you're thirsty. That's why we offer a pair of bars to complement the unique culinary offerings of the city. Guests can enjoy a variety of dangerous patrons, dimly lit rooms, and floozies. That's right, Maxie's and Josie's bars are your one-stop dining experience. Whether you are ordering libations for takeout, stopping by the bar for post-work drinks, or meeting with friends or an informant such as Nose Norton, we have you covered. Now, ID is needed for drinks and cash is needed for bribes, and Maxie's and Josie's do not accept AAA discounts. Children under eight, not admitted without an adult. That's Maxie's and Josie's <laughs> in Midtown. Oh, James B. I, I do like a good dive bar, but only so much of a dive. Probably neither of these for me. And when I say that, definitely neither of these for me. All right. Yeah, and don't even have to say something sometimes when you read the sponsor. We appreciate Sorry, sponsors. I, I just our, can't help myself. <laughs> keeps our podcast affordable for people. Everyone, anyone who checks out these sponsors, something positive to say, please write in and we'll uh, we'll talk to you. Eddie, at the end of the annual, yes, there's a page. It's the James B. page. It's the best page in the whole annual. I don't even know if I have this page in my copy here, James B. So you're going to have to help me out. All right. There's two pages at the very end past the annual ending. One of them is called Imagine How Much Fun It Must Be to Work at the Daily Bugle. Oh. Well, that's kind of cool. But the page before that, Eddie, All right. is called The Tangled Web of Romance, <laughs> The Many <laughs> Loves of Peter Parker. <laughs> Amazing. We were so close to coming up with this name. The Tangled Web of Romance, The Many Loves of Peter Parker. Eddie. Made for you, James B. Eddie, there are eight women on this, and they all have something to say. Am I allowed to guess the eight women on this? I don't think we have time for you to be guessing this, because our podcast has a time limit. You know all the eight women. Tell you what, I'll do like the first... Five or so, and you can finish the last three. Okay, all right. That's good. Liz Allen is there, and she says, Peter was such a quiet boy in high school, even so I had a crush on him. (laughs) Betty Brant Leeds says, well, I wouldn't say that I had a crush on Peter, but we were very close. Very close. Then there's a picture of Gwen Stacy. It says, the beautiful Gwen Stacy was very much in love with Peter Parker until an untimely death cut her short with happiness. Then Mary Jane says, he asked me to marry him. Can you imagine? Sure, I was flattered, but no one ties this lady down. (laughs) I haven't seen her in a long time. Deb Whitman says, Peter can be so sweet, but he's so mysterious. I don't really know if he likes me or just feels sorry for me. You want to do the last three girls? Just tell me who they are. Marcy Kane. Marcy Kane says, he's hiding something, that's for sure. Who could ever be serious about him? Certainly not me. Uh, but he does have nice legs. Can't, can't be, like, April, May? No. Great guess. No, it's not April, May. Uh, someone like Sissy Ironwood, maybe? I dated Peter a few times, but after <laughs> my father died, I moved out west. I wonder if he remembers me. 
<laughs> no, he doesn't. <laughs> Not like Gloria Grant. I wish I'd gotten closer to him before I moved out of his building. As it is, we're just friends. Oh, well. The Tangled Web of Romance, The Many Lives of Peter Parker. Thank you for letting me present this segment. Incredible. This is, yeah, it's great. It's been a while since I've heard you this excited, James. I so it's, <laughs> almost redeems this annual, almost. So, Eddie, if people want to tell us uh, that they should have had April, May out there, uh, how could they reach us? Uh, you can email us at letsreadspiderman at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Twitter at Let's Read Spidey. And now it's time for the close. I'm James B., joined by... Eddie. And remember, listeners, if you know Ned Leeds... You might be a criminal. Goodbye. Goodbye. So, Captain Marvel. Tell me about her. DC Comics had the rights to the words Captain Marvel. Oh, really? And they stopped producing the comic. If you don't do something after a certain number of years, you lose the rights to it. Huh. And uh, so they started making Marvel. The if, I know you didn't probably watch the movie for Captain Marvel um, with Annette Benning's character, but I, no, I didn't watch that. They made a they made a Cree hero named Marvel, and they called him Captain Marvel. And he ran around for a while, and then they gave him cancer, and they killed him, and he oh. was dead. And then before they have an opportunity to, you know, have DC make Captain Marvel or something come back, they put this Captain Marvel up there instead. You know, she's Captain Marvel, and she's going to be around, and she'll join the Avengers one day, and she'll lead the Avengers one day. You know, she's going to be around for a while. She's, she's a prominent character. She's super powerful. And then DC's allowed to bring their character back. They just can't call him Captain Marvel. They give him a new name. They call him Shazam. Oh, yeah. Make a couple movies on him. So there you go. <laughs> Interesting, James B. Thank you yeah. for that. Yeah. I like her backstory. I, I like how she's from New Orleans. That's very fun. Yeah, it's good. It's, you know, like I said, the story's fine. It's super long. It's not related. And, I mean, the fact that he, again, picks up Liz and Harry. Like, oh, it's a <laughs> comic. Liz and Harry are there. There we go again. You think Liz and Harry are going to appear in a single other book this entire year? <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> Since they... No, they're not. No, they're not. <laughs> we saw them not too long ago. They were with Molten Man again. Yeah. So. Marvel team up, an annual. Where were they? You know, wherever you see Molten Man, you get them.